Some say the world will end in fire. Some say in ice. From what I've tasted of desire, I hold with those who favor fire. But if it had to perish twice, I think I know enough of hate to say that for destruction, ice is also great and would suffice. Robert Frost. Welcome to Plot Twist. My name is Morgan, and I recently witnessed a woman knock herself out while crashing into a car on a tourist scooter. God bless. It's not funny, but it's funny. <laughs> she was fine. She didn't, like, have to go to the hospital. She was fine. She probably should have She was just stupid. <laughs> I'm Janelle, and I did absolutely nothing when a random older woman grabbed onto our rental truck with both hands and did not let go. This is Plot Twist, A Grave Affair. We'll be talking about everything that happens at the funeral home and beyond. This week specifically, we were inspired by a recent trip to Colorado and we wanted to dig into some of the death-related stuff. There's lots of stuff. We had lots of options for this episode. Yeah. And fortunately, we weren't in Colorado long enough to seek out some of these places, but we know where we're going when we go back. Yeah. Our trip was a little bit of a whirlwind. Yes. So, Morgan, you discovered that there was going to be an amazing concert at Red Rocks. Yes. That was my discovery. Yes. (laughs) You've been watching Red Rocks, like the Red Rocks page forever. This, I actually just came up randomly. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. I've been wanting to go there forever, but I randomly just looked one day and was like, Trevor Hall's gonna be there. He is like our favorite. And if you haven't, if you don't know, Red Rocks is the most amazing concert venue ever. Oh my gosh. I think we should make it an annual thing. Like every year, pick a concert and go. We found like cheap flights, affordable Airbnb, everything. But the deal was we had to work. I mean, did we plan this, like, what, two, three weeks ahead of time? About that, yeah. It's very spontaneous. Yeah. So we left 9.45 p.m. on a Friday night. We ended up going to bed at 2 a.m., which was 4 a.m. Ohio time. It was rough. And then after the concert on Sunday, we got two and a half hours of sleep and then got on a plane. If that. I don't if even that. know that I got more than 30 minutes, to be honest. No, it was rough, but it was... It was worth it. So it was so worth it. And we packed a lot into that weekend. I'm proud of us. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we did. It was so fun. I don't regret any of it. No. I will would lose sleep again over it. Oh, 100%. Sure. Uh, but we had some crazy things happen to us. Two yes. of which we have just mentioned in our intro and uh, what else? We tried to do something morbid while we were there. We did. Um, <laughs> so we tried to go to this. Um, it wasn't a funeral home. It was a... It's a restaurant called Linger. Um, which I won't recommend. I haven't gone there, but I'm going to well, tell you why I don't recommend it. <laughs> it's because we went to a restaurant the night before we were supposed to go there. That was absolute just almond mom. Um, you know, you can look up our reviews if you want No, to I do not want people to look up our reviews. It's embarrassing. <laughs> Anyway, it was not a good experience in any way, shape, or form. We found out that they owned Linger. Yeah. I basically, and so we didn't go. I don't want to shit talk, talk this place because it's got really good reviews and all their restaurants have really good reviews. But we went there. It, they, it's one of those places that they're like, it's a gastronomical experience. And what so, even is a gastronomical experience? Like, does that mean I'm going to have gas the rest of the night? It's supposed to be fancy. You're supposed to. Ooh, fancy farts. It's like, yeah. Basically, and you're you're not, <laughs> you're not there to feel full. You're feel for there for the taste. So it's like an art piece. Yeah, like, but look, I, but like, don't eat it. Right, but I wanted to eat and I was hungry, so that's why we didn't go to linger the next day because we we're like we already didn't get enough to eat the the night before. By the way, everything was extremely expensive. Like Janelle, your salad was over twenty dollars, and there was like two tomatoes sliced in half so four slices no it was it was like 10 cherry tomatoes okay well and then like 10 
there well, you they're go. That's cherry more. tomatoes, and they were like fucking. This wasn't on the menu, but there were oranges on it, like tiny pieces of orange, and there was no salad. They just put a <laughs> bunch of uh, artichoke hearts in it, and we're like, that's a salad. But anyway, I'm sure Linger is a lovely restaurant. It's got great I reviews, but wish I, it was owned by somebody else. We were just hungry, and we. It's not where you go to actually. You know what? Though, maybe it is. Maybe the restaurant that we will not name that we went to was more of a kind of farm to table type vibe. And I think maybe the rest Just of the say restaurant. what it's called. People I'm are going to find out. It. When we say, like, I'm it not was trying to sh- linger. Well, it's not. There's like five restaurants, so they won't know. So just maybe it's just that restaurant in particular. But we didn't want to risk it because we were starving. Yeah. So, but basically, what we're going with this. Linger is in an old mortuary, and they have some of the old, apparently, since we didn't actually go, they have some of the old mortuary like equipment and just kind of sprinkled in the decor. So it seems very cool. It would cool. be very cool. So we had a great time in Colorado, basically. We did. But that kind of, since we really didn't get to see anything related to our death obsession. Yeah. We decided to look some stuff up on our own. And that's so what we we're going to share with you today. We both prepared stories and information for you today. We have not shared this with one another. So this will be real reactions from Janelle Vincent. So my story has to do with Grandpa Bretto. All right, granddaddy. Granddaddy. Sorry, I'm not doing this again like it was the other episode. <laughs> oh my god. So Grandpa Bretto, otherwise known as the frozen dead guy. Literally the frozen dead guy. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Bretto Morstel passed into the next life on November 9th of 1989 while on a family retreat in the mountains of Norway. Oh my god. Picturesque, beautiful, like what a place to just die but like on a family retreat that's kind of depressing well maybe hold that thought his family is a little interesting so he died on this family retreat in the beautiful mountains of norway and bretto was immediately covered in ice right away this family had a plan so he was immediately covered in ice to slow the decomposition i'm sorry i already have a question yes where do they get the ice? They're up in the mountains. So they just use, like, ice, like, from... This is very not by the books. Okay. So this whole thing is very not by the books. So they're basically taking, like, snow and ice from the mountains? Yes. Okay, okay. I mean, from they're... my understanding, this was not, like, prepped ice. Like, he didn't go up there to die. Okay, that's he what I was worried about. Ha- no, no. He just happened to die up there, and his grandson, Trigvi, is the one who wanted to do this. So I don't... No, there's not a lot of information about when Grandpa Bretta was still around, if he and Trigby had talked about this prior, or if this is just something Trigby wanted to do. Okay. So basically they use... And nobody wanted to, you know, they're there for with the whole family and nobody stops Trigby, so I guess they were all on board or just like, cool, whatever. All right, so... Improvise, adapt, overcome. He just used the ice that he had on the ground. Yeah. That is what it sounds like. Okay. There's no proof that that's what they did, but I don't really know what other conclusion you could draw. So, Grandpa Bretto was covered in ice to slow the decomposition and then flown to L.A. And once in California, his grandson cryogenically prepped and froze him. Again, there's not a lot of background on if this was something that he had ever even discussed with his grandpa, but this is what he did. And everybody was like, ah, cool, Trigby, that sounds great. Trigby obviously had this planned because he flies him he flies him right to LA and just has the means to cryogenically preserve him. Well, I wouldn't say he really have has the means. I would not say that because none of this is done... Well, well, you'll see. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) This is giving me a... Trigby 
thought that his grandpa deserved to rise again and to be immortal. And he believed that such technology would come to exist. Now, just so you know, Trig V is actually still alive. Okay. Today. Well, I don't know specifically today, but, like, he was alive, like, a couple weeks ago, at least. So. <laughs> a couple weeks ago. Because of this belief in his grandfather's immortality, he decides to somewhat, sort of, kind of, cryogenically freeze him. Or just, he's just freezing him. I wouldn't even say cryogenically. <laughs> Grandpa Bretto was kept at the California Institute till 1993. While his grandson searched for a proper place to house him. In 93, he finally found the perfect place, hundreds of miles away in a small town called Nederland in Colorado. How the fuck did he find this shed? He wanted to find the perfect place for his grandpa. Finds a random (laughs) garden shed in Colorado and was like, this is it. Yeah, there's not a lot of backstory on his thought process in this. So we don't know whose shed it was, why he chose the well, shed. Well, it's his. It's his property. So oh, so is, he bought the property. Yeah, it was so, like... Yeah. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> According to Legends of America, cryogenic suspension requires a body to be frozen immediately after death to ward off physical decay, then maintained in a frozen condition until medical science may be able to restore it to life. Suspendees are typically kept cool via liquid nitrogen, but due to budget constraints, <laughs> Grandpa Bretta was just kept on ice. <laughs> Sorry, this is probably not funny. But... It's quite funny. It's quite funny. So this is not the end of the story. In fact, it's really just the beginning. We're going to dive a little bit deeper first into Bretto's grandson's kind of background and his journey and part of all this. Okay. And I feel like there's a lot more that I did not capture here, but I feel like this kind of sums up him and his character and his quirks. (laughs) In 1980, Trigvi came to the United States from Norway to be safe from nuclear war. I'm not sure that was a really big concern in Norway at the time, but I could be wrong. Hmm. So from young adulthood, he was obsessed with ice. And while living in Boulder, he founded what's known as the Polar Bear Club. The club practiced his belief that bathing in cold water would prolong human life. And this is a belief a lot of people have. Mm -hmm. It's not super uncommon, but it's, it's different. He's a different kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So he was a bit of an odd individual. I'm and some red flags already just kind and of And did up. get himself... So we're just going to, like, go for it here. So he got himself into some trouble with the law. On a couple of occasions, one was for trespassing. I don't know where he trespassed. Okay, okay, okay. But then another was joking about hijacking a plane while inside an airport. What? <laughs> oh my god. You don't do that. No, no. So just, that's just like to give you a good, solid idea of kind of where Trigby's coming from in his mind, you know? Yeah. So Trigby's mother, Odd, I think that's how you pronounce her name, did join him in Colorado and they worked to build a disaster-proof house in the town of Nederland. Mm. And next to this all-disaster-proof house was a garden shed. The garden shed. The garden shed. It's the garden shed that they moved Grandpa Bretto into. Yes, sirree. Oh, boy. But Grandpa Bretto's body wasn't enough. What do you mean... It, it was not enough. And soon, a man named Al Campbell from Chicago was moved in. The plan was to open a proper cryogenic business. Proper, in air quotes. Oh my God. Proper cryogenic business. But this did not happen. So just another reason that this didn't happen and that things were just kind of falling apart. Mostly because 
they don't know how to do anything cryogenically at all, really. They're just putting people on ice. And they need equipment for that, right? Yes. Yes. liquid nitrogen. So normally, a cryogenic suspension chamber, or like a place that's doing this professionally, would keep keep these bodies at like minus 320 degrees. He's keeping them at minus 109. This is Fahrenheit? Yes. Oh my god, that's a big difference. So another reason that this just like, this business wasn't going to work out for him and this whole thing just kind of flops. Sort of. So at this point, does he have two frozen bodies in the shed? He does. He does have two frozen bodies in the shed. One of them... Is I believe in some kind of like makeshift casket, and the other one I believe um, Al Campbell's body was just in a sleeping bag. Stop it! Yeah, this is a rinky-dink operation, <laughs> if I've ever heard of one. Yeah, Trigby and his mother lived without any disruption in the middle of nowhere for a very long time, with no one aware of the garden shed body situation, but that all changed when he claimed he would beat the world record for ice bathing, and some local reporters came to see. He did indeed beat the record in 1994 for one hour and four minutes of bathing in ice. Oh my god. But soon after, his visa ran out, and in the spring of 94, he was sent back to Norway. And Grandpa's left behind. Yeah, so essentially leaving his mother behind with um, not only grandpa but an unfinished house they never finished their like disaster home poor mom right oh so after a while odd was given a notice of eviction because the home they had built had no electricity or plumbing and this was some sort of violation like housing violation which makes sense yeah this was all very upsetting to Odd, and she asked a local paper to write about her to help plead her case. Then she went to town hall. This is when all the information about the frozen bodies came to be public knowledge, and it just kind of blew up. So everybody's panicked. Authorities, like, fly over to her home. I think she must have mentioned it and, like, not thought anything of it like oh by the way there's frozen body i like don't really know how it went down but they found out they're like flying over to her home like sirens on lights flashing and they discover the bodies in the garden shed in a sleeping bag one of them yes (laughs) so within 24 hours this was news heard like all around the world like this was national news i guess it was a slow news day like this is a big deal but is it like national news level i'm pretty scandalized (laughs) okay then maybe it it definitely was because it was all over the news so an emergency town meeting was held and a new ordinance passed deeming what she did and keeping human bodies to be illegal. Like, apparently that wasn't illegal before. It wasn't, like, hmm. Because I feel like most people assume that you can't do that. So it wasn't actually written down. This is why laws become laws, people. Because <laughs> people do shit like this. So now it is illegal in writing to keep human bodies on your property. They stated in many news articles that she broke building and zoning codes as well. That's, like, who cares about that, right? Like, who cares about... In the grand scheme of things. No. I just care about the bodies. So, Odd was also deported, and she went back to Norway. But her son, who was is in Norway, kept the conversation going, trying to bring support to his own stance on the matter... Because he's a firm believer in freezing bodies. In DIY cryopreservation? Yes. In (laughs) his own personal property in the garden shed. So he's rooting for this. He's trying to, like, bring support to this. I don't know if you can call it a cause. It was for him. It was his, his thing. So after all the fighting, I guess cryogenics was 
somehow properly explained to the higher-ups in the town, properly explained in air quotes, because this is not how this is properly done. But somehow they, like, explained this all to them and why Trigby was doing this, and they were just like, yeah, that's cool, I guess I understand. And they used the grandfather clause to allow the bodies to remain. Literally the grandfather clause. Eventually, the shed fell apart, and a more structural sound building was put in its place. It still looks like a shed. But it's, like, a nice one. I couldn't figure it out. So, Grandpa Bretto is still there today. In the, the new shed? In the new shed. Okay. He's still there. I don't know what happened to Campbell. I couldn't figure it out, but he's no longer there. I don't know if somehow family reached out and got him back. Or what happened. But he's not there. Grandpa Bretto is, however, still in the building, up in the mountains. And his current caretaker is Brad Wickham. He replaces the dry ice every two weeks. Again, this is just dry ice. This is not... I put this... This is not how we should take care of cryogenically suspended <laughs> bodies in today's standards. <laughs> so yeah, it's just dry ice. Each block weighs about 10 pounds and... They use about 900 to 1,200 pounds. Oof. 900 to 1,200 pounds uh, every time they replace this. Problem is, so Grandpa Bretto is in a metal casket. Their safeguard is that it's chained to the ground so nobody can steal him. (laughs) Okay. Okay. But they've been doing this for years since in like the early 90s placing these big blocks like 10 pound blocks on top of him on this metal casket and it causes a vibration so they don't really know if he's broken up inside the casket so he could be in pieces he could be because that's the concern because they're putting all of these very heavy blocks on top of this metal casket that's going to vibrate around and, like, nobody, nobody knows. Like, nobody snuck a peek at him in this time. Okay, if I'm, like, Brad Wickham, I'm, like, peeking in there, I'm looking, I would want to know. Oh, I would want to know after all that work, too. I mean, he probably decomposed, to be honest, because that's not enough. It's not cold enough. I can't believe he's never checked. Supposedly, he's never checked. But yeah, and he's still there to this day. Trigby's still alive, and he's kind of funding the whole thing, so I'm not sure what's going to happen, because Trigby would probably be... Well, I don't know how old Trigby is, but he's probably pretty old by now. I don't know what's going to happen when Trigby passes on, if right. he's going to want to be frozen like that, too, or actually get cryogenically frozen. Oh I don't know. I just don't know what's going to happen with the funding for Grandpa Bretto's whole setup. And how much is Brad Wickham getting paid for this? Or is this volunteer work? I would like to know. I have a bad feeling that this is volunteer basis. So, that was a long story. But at the end of it comes something really positive. There is the um, Frozen Dead Guy Festival every year in March in Colorado. Not in Netherlands, but it's close by. And they have coffin races, some kind of weird frozen wet t-shirt contest and it's all just morbid festivities morgan we have to i know go. we have to go it's every year in march they already have like a website for 2024 so if you want to check that out if you want to meet us there oh my god yes we're, we're hitting up red rocks and the frozen dead guy festival 2024 i don't know if that's a positive story a funny story or a sad story i can't really decide i think it's all three <laughs> but uh yeah but Grandpa Bretta is still there. I would be curious as to whether Grandpa Bretto wanted this for his afterlife. Because the sto- the lens of the story <laughs> depends a lot, I think, on what he wanted. If this is what he wanted, you know, it's easier to laugh at and be like, hey, you know what? This is what he wanted. His grandson tried. Not so well, but... You know. I mean, I don't know if this is what is wanted or not, and I don't know if we'll ever really know, because Trigby doesn't really talk, or hasn't in recent past talked about this, so. 
it's it's kind of messed up if Trigby used his grandpa as his experiment. Yeah. Though. Somebody somebody let us know. I'm really hoping that. I mean, he had to have talked about it at one point. I just couldn't find anything. Right. I don't know. I just, you know. Oh, Trigby. This might be a controversial opinion, but I think it's uncool to cryogenically freeze someone's body without their consent. Is that what they did? I don't know. They just. Well, was it cryogenically frozen? Well, it's just like attempt. You know what? I'm That's even keep worse. I'm gonna you in a coffin, but I'm gonna put some ice cubes on top to keep you nice and cool. Yeah. Okay. It's it's even more unethical to keep someone's half decayed body in a sleeping bag in a garden shed. That one, I don't know what the family's thoughts were on this. I didn't do much research on. Campbell and his story and how he ended up there. Just Grandpa Bretto. But I'm sure that you probably could find out. I bet he... I get the feeling that he kind of before his death kind of wanted that. I mean, they must have sought Trigby out. Right. That's why I'm like that one feels like he had his after death which is kind of followed. But he was a guy from Chicago. Trigby had been in Norway and then in California and then spent most of his time in Colorado. So... They had to have sought him out. That's yeah. what he wanted for sure. I mean, the results may not be what he wanted. Well, I don't think they're going to be able to bring him back. I'm just getting, there's no way. I mean, if that technology was even ever possible, they didn't do it right. I, I guarantee if you open up that thing, it's just bones. Like, I don't think that that's cold enough. It's not cold enough. I'm picturing, like, a body that's been unfrozen and refrozen hundreds uh, of times. I'm thinking of, like, roast beef. Yes. And it's just nasty as fuck. Oh, God. So somebody needs to look at some point. I want to talk to Trigby, and I want to look in the casket. I can't believe nobody's looked. That's my thing. Really? Nobody's looked or they don't want to admit to looking. That's... Someone has to have Brad looked. Wickham has not looked as he's taken all of this stuff off, has access to the coffin. Right. Brad... Although he seems like a nice guy. He feels like very respectful of the whole thing, so maybe he wouldn't. Brad, if you're listening, please just look. You don't have to tell us. Just yes, you for- do. We need to know. <sighs> yeah, you're right. We just... We really need to know. Is Grandpa in one piece? Or is there nothing left? I mean, this happened in 93, so almost 30 years ago. Ew, don't remind me. (laughs) I was born in 93, if you couldn't tell by my apprehension. Frozen Dead Guy Days 2024. I really love the story about Grandpa Bretto. That was something else, really. I looked into the Crestone End of Life Project. It's all, yeah, it's also known as KELP because it's abbreviated <laughs> C E O L P, and they pronounce it KELP. Yeah, I would. I definitely didn't think. Okay, KELP is in Crestone, Colorado. It's a non-denominational community organization, and their mission is to support, advocate for, and provide resources to people who are at the end of their lives and their families. So they work both with families who choose traditional and non-traditional funerary options, like home funerals or natural burials. Home funerals? Mm Mm-hmm. Like a lying in state type deal. Okay. So they kind of help. Fancy. Yeah, they help facilitate that. They kind of come in the home and anoint the body and help you get all that all set up. But what they're best known for is being the, currently being the only public place in the United States where open air cremation is legal. Oh. Yeah. On their website, they say that they're one of the only, but every other place that I've looked on the internet, I have not been able to find one other place. Maybe it's just the only legal place. 
Yeah, I think it's the only legal place in the United States. Maine, actually, the state of Maine is really pushing to become the second place that you can do open air cremations. So like that would with be pretty viewing? Cool. No, like funeral pyre burning. But like, I guess I'm thinking, can you watch your loved one burn? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what I was. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what they want to be able to do. And that's, that's the only place it's legal. Do you, would you want to watch somebody you love burn? I don't know. I think it'd be really hard, but they made it sound like a really nice experience. I feel like it's very, ooh, I don't know. Like, I feel like that'd be tough. I was thinking the same thing because I'm just trying to, like. I like the concept, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I know. I can imagine be even more emotional than a regular burial or funeral yeah i don't know how i feel about it now is this derived from i know that this is more popular in india to yeah do the so, open air cremations did they get the idea from there is it more of like a spiritual thing like a lot of different denominations come to this it's anything you can think of from buddhist to catholic to native american religions but basically this comes from a lot of different cultures a funeral pyre is basically an outdoor cremation structure where where wood is placed and then on the top of that they place a body for cremation they light the body on fire they light the wood on fire burns the body the history of cremation pyres can be traced back to the ancient Greece and, like you said, Morgan, uh, early Hindus in uh, South Asia. It was also practiced by Bronze Age people in present-day Ireland, ancient Romans, and Vikings, of course, because you always hear the story of them. I mean, Vikings are badass. Yeah, they, like, put the, even though this is not actually true, but they talk about putting the body on a canoe and shooting an arrow onto the lake and all that stuff that would be badass that would be badass but they didn't really do that it was just a regular open air cremation set the body on some wood set it on fire in some countries many hindus sikh and some buddhists still practice open air cremation and it's still like something that they do today yeah it's really really prevalent in sikh and hindu cultures especially hinduism Depending on the country, because obviously in a lot of Western countries, it's harder to legally do this. If Crestone sounds familiar to you, and should sound familiar to you, Morgan. It does. It might be because season two of the Up and Vanished podcast focused on a young woman who went missing from Crestone. And we listened to this like five years ago when we were in Iceland. This is like what got me into podcasts. Yes. Actually. It's so good. I mean, I feel like everyone's listened to Up and Vanished, and if you haven't, you gotta. That's one of my favorite, though. Yeah, it is so good. In the podcast, they talk a lot about this the kind of painting a picture of Crestone. It is a super, super small town. It currently only has 138 residents, which I was not picturing that. I mean... I mean, I knew it was small, but I didn't think it was, like, that small. I know. I was way smaller than I was picturing. But it's a place that people come to disconnect from society, connect with a small community, and be around nature. So people who are maybe some alternative lifestyles, some people with want to bring more nature into their lives, more natural things and can you visit yeah it's a regular town i want to go to crestone we should go i mean they have like a coffee shop they don't have a lot of stuff but they got a coffee shop a gas station you know all the normal stuff but like one of each thing they have a dollar store i hope they have a dollar store they probably don't have a dollar store i don't know everywhere has a dollar store nowadays it's true so while i was researching for this this episode i revisited season two of up and vanished And I actually found that they talk about kelp and their funeral pyre cremations in one of the episodes. It's 
the episode um, Insight Crestone. It's like one of their side episodes that they kind of like explain the town and stuff. It's very brief, but they interview a woman who works with Kelp and just about her experience. They don't talk a lot about the details like I'm going to go into now, but it's really interesting because you get to you hear about her emotional experience, what it's like for her. It was very cool. I'm ready for the details. All right, here we go. In the early 2000s, a group of people in Crestone started bringing a portable pyre. They called it the porta pyre. What is a portable pyre? It's just a pyre that you can set up, put some wood underneath, and put a body on top. Are all of them portable? No. Okay. <laughs> no. Okay, okay. This is kind of like something they put together because it started to catch on. I think like seven people did this in total. Before it was legal? It's kind of like the Grandpa Bretto situation where it wasn't legal, it wasn't illegal, but eventually the city of Crestone caught on. So they prohibited this. They put a stop to the home open air cremations. This group decided in 2006 that they wanted to set up a more permanent option so that they could actually continue this. It took a lot of work. They had to set up meetings with the city, regional and state legislators so that they could get the permits they needed since this is this really unprecedented in this country. They trained volunteers and they coordinated with the local fire department for safety reasons, obviously using fire. But in January 2008, the first open air cremation ceremony was held at the permanent pyre. Ooh, who was it? I don't know. Oh. (laughs) Some person. Their setup is really cool. They have have some walls in a circle like a circular area mm-hmm. so it kind of pr- it protects from the wind if you're gonna have fire that's good yeah and then it allows this area for visitors to sit and the people who are who are participating in the ceremony and then they have a smaller ring on the inside where the pyre is and the pyre is basically two little concrete walls with a grate on top okay under the grate goes the- so like a grill <laughs> Like a human grill. I mean, am I wrong? It's like it's, when you're describing it, I'm like, oh, it sounds like a grill. It's similar to the grills that you see at like the beach. I was literally about to be like the park grills. <laughs> it's kind of like that in a weird way. Basically, yeah. Ew, that's gross to think about. I wonder what it smells like. <laughs> no, we're just going to okay, go there. Okay, wait a second. I didn't think about that. That you would actually have to smell that? Yeah. How could you not think about that? I don't know. We're it's, just talking about grilling things. I'm like, oh, and when you grill things, you can, you're like, yum. But like, this is not a yum. This is maybe a yuck. I would, I would hope it's a yuck. A spiritual yum? I don't know. Yeah. In none of the interviews I listened to or videos I watched, nobody mentioned the smell. So maybe everyone's ignoring it. No one wants to talk about it. No one wants to talk about grandpa grilling on the funeral pyre. Oh, someone's gosh. gotta have said something oh that, now i'm that's a major drawback that is a major drawback i for guess me. you could put like some something i don't know don't nurses put things underneath their nose when shit smells bad yeah like um vaseline does that help with the smell sometimes not really <laughs> like chapstick the minty chapstick they do put juniper branches over them, over the person. So it, hopefully that might help a lot with the smell. I can't imagine that it covers everything up, but I think that probably helps with the smell. Maybe it helps be less identifiable. R- yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. What if you don't want that? What if you're like, I want them to think I smell like a flipping burger? I'm sorry, I'm asking the tough questions. These are the tough questions. What does it smell like? Does it smell like a burning person? I mean, I'm sure it does. It but, has like, to. what that smells like, I don't know. Disgusting. It's gotta. What if it doesn't? Then it's just, it's <laughs> disgusting because it's not disgusting. That's the thing. Okay, moving on. <laughs> we become cannibals over here. I don't uh, even remember where I was at. I'm sorry. 
<laughs> Over 70 people have been cremated in the Crestone open air pyre so far. The services are all provided by volunteers and the organization depends on donations rather than specific fees for bur- burial. That was going to be my next question because I'm thinking if you've only have had 70, like that's not really a for-profit no. thing. No, it's all volunteer and it helps. They provide a lot of other services like um, setting up at your end of life wishes. They work with hospice. They help families organize funerals. They do really, they try to take care of all end of life stuff. So... Is there like a waiting list? Is this like they choose who they want or there's really just not that many people who want this done? There's not that many people who want this done. I mean, Crestone is super small. and um, but you can travel for a funeral. Mm, no? No. Uh, it's only available to people who have been residents of Sawatch County for at least three months. So if you want to be, have an open pyre funeral you have to live you have to move to crestone or sawatch county three months before your expected death and you have to be registered in the organization before you die because you can't just show up and be like hey my loved one wants to be cremated okay that makes sense but it's so interesting that that's a stipulation you have to live there for three months i can understand being like registering yourself that makes sense i think it does well probably first of all probably for like legal reasons with their permits and stuff i'm sure that they don't you know they have to be hmm. but also probably because well, of the volume apart. the probably because of the volume as well a volume of people that want to come in because this is not all they do but then there's a need for it so maybe there's like you said the one in maine that they want to make right yeah mm-hmm yeah, there's a need for it all over. If people, if people, this is what people want. Yeah, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Another thing with that too, it is not always possible for people to be buried at the pyre. Like, let's say the the time, the day that you're going to be buried, it's too windy, or they don't have enough volunteers because they don't have any. You know, this is all volunteer based, and you don't know when somebody's going to die. Like, not everyone can come last minute. So, unfortunately, some people aren't actually able to get their end-of-life wish. So, they always have a backup wish, like a backup plan. They ask you, do you want to be buried in, our, in the green burial plot at, at the Crestone Cemetery? Do you want to be traditionally cremated? Like, what's your backup plan? Well, it's interesting that they would need a backup plan because, I mean, I understand travel purposes for other people. But, like, fuck the other people. It's about you. Like, couldn't you just wait a day if it was windy? Do it the next day? I mean, you only... So, these bodies are not embalmed. Right. So, you only, you have a very small window of time that you can do this before it starts getting... You would think that they would maybe be able to, like, just pop him in a freezer at least temporarily. For, like, give them, like, a couple day window. Yeah. They can. Sometimes they use, they, they will borrow like a freezer from like a mortuary, like another place. Like, but I get if it's raining all week long. Like if you have one windy day, but the next day is nice. I'm not saying that they don't, that this is a common occurrence. I guess I'm just asking all these questions because I'm like, I don't want to watch somebody burn, but somebody else can watch me burn. <laughs> I want to get invited to one of these. Like Maybe I'm like, I don't cool. know. Like I feel like it would be different if it's not somebody you love. Not that you yes. wouldn't care. Like, not that you wouldn't, obviously, if you're going to a funeral, even if you don't know the person, you have some, usually some sense of, like, sympathy or care. Yeah. But it's different than, like, oh, that's your sister. Oh, definitely. <laughs> you know? Yeah. When it's with a stranger, you can appreciate the beauty of it without too much of the em- negative emotion with it. So the whole process, like I said, starts before the person dies. They have certain paperwork they need to fill out and it's not just about burial it's about like your end of life wishes your dnr um power of attorney all that they really try to get all that set up before you pass so then if you want to lie and stay at home which is what a lot of people choose who use the pyre the funeral pyre services a team of people from kelp 
will visit the home where the person died and they'll clean the body. They cool it down to 35 to 40 degrees and no typical embalming is used. Just they're anointed with oils and things like that to try and make them smell good. Like Jesus. I was just going to say that. Like Jesus. Wait, what were the oils he was anointed with? I don't remember. It's in the Bible somewhere. <laughs> I have no idea. It, I don't remember. It wasn't the Bible. But I'll tell you what. It wasn't resin and um, cellophane. Oh, God. <laughs> no, it was not. <laughs> the deceased body can lie and stay at home for up to three days like that. The body is wrapped in a funeral shroud, which they can provide or a lot of times the family will purchase and the family arranges transport that's one thing that they are able to do is transport the body they arrange transport to the funeral pyre area and then they have the pallbearers of the family carry the person wrapped in a shroud in on a stretcher they walk around the pyre enclosure so they walk inside and go clockwise around the pyre and so everybody that's involved in the funeral proceedings also follow them and they have a little procession and stop at the funeral pyre where the body is placed on the metal grate to be cooked (laughs) to be grilled the family is able to personalize the ceremony with music cultural traditions and the celebrant of their choice the funeral attendants come up and they place the flowers they place juniper branches on top of the body on top of the shroud so that everyone gets a chance to come up and do that and then a loved one usually lights the flame from a bowl of incense that they have they have a volunteer that kind of stokes this fire in a incense bowl or something Mm -hmm. and then a family member or members will come and they'll light the actual fire underneath their loved one which is kind of wild that is crazy. How, I mean, you, how do you decide? Yeah. I mean, it can be multiple people. But, like, how would you feel lighting your family member on fire? I honestly don't know. It sounds like a really special experience from the description, but I would feel... Yeah. Super weird, some type of way. But, like, not that I wouldn't do it. It might feel... There would be some degree of weirdness. I know that for a fact. It'd be weird if there was none, I think. <laughs> That's true. That's for a someone good point. with our, like, background, as in, like, our families don't do this. Like, right. this isn't, like, a spiritual thing. You know, we're not, we're not Hindu. Like, I feel like maybe we would feel differently if you had, like, a different spiritual journey. Yeah, definitely. If you're More used history. to something like this and just like someone else who's not used to seeing a uh, open casket funeral would be like icked out but we get used to it I don't think I could blink if I was there I would be like <laughs> I don't think my body would let me blink and miss a thing <laughs> put them on the grill oh yeah oh yeah so we put them on the grill they're grilling should we keep calling it a grill oh uh, no we probably shouldn't you put them on the pyre <laughs> sorry the pyre. that was my bad the grill on the pyre uh, <laughs> a pyre grill the, the ceremonies usually start at dawn because it takes about three hours for the body to be fully burned. And then it takes another 18 hours or so for the body to be cool enough to be collected. So volunteers are there the entire time tending the fire, keeping watch over the body. And a lot of times family members and friends will hold vigil like they'll take shifts and be with the body as well. But as you can see, this takes a lot of manpower of volunteers to do which is just weird to me because there's only 138 people in crestone so i'm like where is the whole town right Right. i don't know where the these volunteers come from um can the volunteers be outside the crestone area probably but you know it's so last minute that i'm sure it's probably just people in swatch county and maybe some neighboring counties but i don't think there's any i can see this being like a desirable volunteer like for the morbid enthused. That's true. That's you true. Know? Yeah. Then the family, after the body cools, the family collects the cremains in a bucket. Like it's literally, but they said a container, like a pot, but it's like literally a Lowe's bucket. It's a little metal bucket. Okay. 
I don't know. It just looked weird to me. After the ceremony, a copper plaque with the deceased's name, dates of birth and death, and a special symbol, like a star or a bear or a dancer or whatever. People pick all sorts of stuff. And it's placed on the bamboo fence surrounding the... for money. <laughs> but they put these plaques up uh, around on the fence. They want That's another thing they want you to de- designate before you die. Like, what is your symbol that you want on there? And so they have all these beautiful plaques from all the people that have had an open-air cremation there. Which I think is really nice. That is really nice. Yeah. So... Yeah, it seems like a really awesome organization. And it just, it really seems like they not only help after death, but are really good about providing people care at the end of their life and helping them, helping them navigate the medical and funeral systems that can be so difficult for people. And they ask about $500 to $900 for the you know, the, the burials, the crema- cremations they provide, but they don't turn people away if they aren't able to pay. That's, that is pretty cheap. That is very cheap because they're able to, you know, they're able to use volunteers and they don't have coffins. They don't have a lot of the other stuff that drives the prices up. So they try to provide services to anyone who needs them. And I'm guessing that they probably have benefactors or people who pay more at the end of their life because it's because <laughs> it's a good cause so it seems like a really I want to go there I would I would love to see can one of these can you just go and visit I don't know I feel like you might be able to if you give them a you can just go to a cemetery and visit I'm saying like if they're not having an actual funeral couldn't you just go and check it out you might be able to they have like uh, death cafes, and I think they have they have meetings. I think I want to say monthly, just for the community to kind of keep them updated, give some information to people. So when we're like a hundred, we're gonna move there, right? Yeah. Yeah, I want to be. I. I just would love. I would love to volunteer there. I mean, what are the chances we get actually a? To go to a cremation. But we could probably... You tell me. I will fly out there. You got three days. Get out here. I'm like, okay. It's a once in a lifetime thing, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. I would do it. We would do it. I mean, I would do it. I mean, if they wanted me to, like, rake the the stones around the the funeral pyre, I would do it just to be there and see what it's like. I think we should email them. We got to go to Crestone. If you want to be burned at the stake, go to Crestone. Burn? They're not being burned at the stake. They're being burned like a stake. <laughs> <laughs> whether you want to be, whether you want to be barbecued on the grill or frozen like a bag of peas after you die, Colorado's got options for you. <laughs> a bag of peas. <laughs> I don't know. I was gonna say a steak, but we we already said steak. Get my fucking Canva account. That was powerful. (laughs) Please don't leave that in. I'm leaving it in. I'm putting it at the end. Ew. Oh, my God. I'm paused. I had to put some Vaseline on my nose. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please rate and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at official underscore plot twist pod. Music is courtesy of Matthew Modena, and our resources are in the show notes.